follow DJ P Dog Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram right now at DJ P Dog. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your man DJ P Dog back on the mic once again, and it is not often that I get to bring a living legend on my show. And this guy isn't just a living legend, he is a legend among legends. Like, he has worked with great artists like Criss Cross, Ludacris, Bow Wow Skate, and has toured with legends like Mariah Carey and the great Michael Jackson. He is also the founder of the Mad DJ Academy and hosted the Ultimate Mad DJ Contest, which is an event where he got a chance to meet another legend, yours truly, DJ P-Dog in the mix. How about that? Putting myself (laughs) over. Ladies and gentlemen, I got my man, the one and only, Mr. DJ Nabs. DJ Nabs, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I appreciate the dope intro there, sir. I've I've got this thing, bro, where I'm trying to do these big intros for anybody that I bring onto the show. So that was, did that live up to the the legend status? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Definitely my top three. There it is. Top three. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Top three. You know. Um, Man, I want to get right into it, bro. First off. Sure. Um, bro, how did you get started um, in the DJ game? And then there's another part that I didn't put in the intro, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But I want to talk about how you got started into the DJ game. Sure. Uh, man, really, to put it in full perspective, I was 10 years old when the first rap record came out. Wow. Yeah. So like everybody, you know, that was my age and around that time, everybody was trying to find a place. Was that that Tupac hit, record? What Tupac record? Was that was that the first record that was out? I'm just that you clowner. That was a, that was a, come on come on bro. You gotta keep I was about up. to say bro. <laughs> nah, I was about to boy. I was about to clown you real bad just now. But uh, but you know basically, I mean, I'm just trying to really take it to a place that that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and you know, for those and you know, younger folks that that you know came up and hip hop was on the radio already. And hip hop was already this business, this huge business. That wasn't the case when I started. When I started, it wasn't on the radio. We only had a few, you know, had a few songs here and there. But it wasn't on the radio like a format, like a hip hop radio show. It wasn't a format, you know what I mean? There was like one rap record. There was a few. When you went to the record store, there was seven or eight records that were rap records. You know what I'm saying? Right, in the store. Right, so, right. so I, so, so when I started, it was like that. It was damn near a secret. You know what I mean? You either you knew about hip hop or you didn't. And the way I would hear the mix shows from New York was on cassette. So you had to know somebody from New York. Yeah. To get a copy of the cassette. You understand what I'm saying? And it would be that's like how a I, second or third generation copy, right? Yeah, but that's that didn't matter, you know. <laughs> right, I mean, right, right. You, I mean you you didn't you know what I'm saying? You wasn't listening to say, oh, this is second, third generation. This is how you heard everything. <laughs> You heard everything on cassette because before that, obviously, eight tracks and then records. So, you know, we didn't, you know, so it just so when I started, it was 1984. And, I, you know, I'm from Durham, North Carolina, as you know. Bull City. That's what I was going to get to next. <laughs> yep. And uh, so anyway, that's how I started. And that, that's when I started, rather. So 1984, bro, you, you're mm-hmm. you're doing this thing in Durham, North Carolina. And at that time, um, bro, I was two years old. So right. <laughs> I had a right. I had a ways and just to be clear so that people will know, that first rap record that you're referring to is Rapper's Delight. Right. By Sugar Hill Gang. By Sugar Hill Gang. Bro, what was the hip hop scene like, you know, here in Durham, North Carolina, being that I'm from here and I do right. a lot of stuff here on the scene, 
um, here in 2018, bro. What was it like in the 80s and, and when you first got started in the game? What was the hip-hop scene like here in Durham? Um, on the radio, as far as mix show, I remember listening to Smokehouse. Because um, <clears throat> when you think about radio, think about late night, you know, weekend, one hour or two hour shows right. is the only place you'd find rap. So yeah, I can't remember exactly what Smokehouse was. Um, one of the main guys that really pushed it forward in the Carolinas, in Durham, coming out of Durham, Wax Master Tory. Okay. Um, Wax Master Tory had a radio show. Um, that was my first time being on radio was with him. And I think we did it out of North Carolina State's university's um, radio station, college station. Okay. Um, the clubs, the first party I probably went to was Strike Force Disco. Um, that stuff is long gone, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but go ahead. Um, but, yeah, it's the building blocks of which and from which uh, we all we all sit here today, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a small thing. It was as huge as anything you might consider today, but it was then. Um, the first turntable, the first... Uh, so DJ Apple, um, Strike Force Disco, Generette. Generette was, uh, <clears throat> Generette let me borrow his 1200s. Generette is Shirley Caesar's nephew. Okay. Um, also from so, Bull City. From Bull City, right. So, you know, so that, that was the scene. Uh, Mr. Freeze in Raleigh is where you bought your rap records from. Um, and he was a guy who also promoted rap shows. So he would bring. Roxanne and Shant Roxanne Shantae and Sparky D. Okay. And Marley Mall. You know, so he would he would bring the juice crew to Raleigh for shows. Um and of course lots of different DJ crews um that were in in, in Durham at the time because it was a lot. So shout out to AJ Flash, shout out to uh, DJ T Love, uh, the Cold Chilling crew, um, G Mac, Melo G, them guys put out the first forty five record uh called Dungeon Rock um in Durham. Shout out to Sound Machine. So back when I said Tori DJ Sound Machine had a record called 12 Inches the Hard Way that was on B-Boy Records. And of course, um, while I was in high school, I ended up DJing for Frosty, who had a song on Tommy Boy Records called I Need Love Now, which was an answer record to LL Cool J's I Need Love. That's what's up, man. Now, yeah. It's crazy that you yeah. mentioned um, you started out, you know, DJing on the radio at NC State. Because the stuff that NC State is still doing today for hip-hop is crazy. Like, they do this cypher every Monday, and it's drawing, like, huge crowds. And so that's that's crazy to see that that history goes back even to the 80s um, that NC right. State had a part to play in the hip-hop scene. But let me ask you this question, bro, because you left the Bull City, and you ended up going to Atlanta um, to do stuff there. Bro, how did you find out about the hip-hop scene in Atlanta? And I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. Um, because there was no internet, you know. So how did you right. how did you get you know catch wind to what was popping off in Atlanta? Um, the same way we dealt with everything without the internet and cell phone, people and calling on. <laughs> oh, people actually talk to each other. <laughs> well, yeah, people talk to each other. Like you know, it, you know, it doesn't take. See, it doesn't take ten people, fifty people, a hundred people, a thousand people. For a decision to be made, it can just be a conversation between you and the person. Right. That I mean, that's even now. You know, it doesn't take it doesn't so it doesn't take the internet. 
So it all it took was was a friend of mine. I graduated in '86, so my friend Tubbs, who went to Durham High, he graduated in '86, but he moved to Atlanta to go to the Art Institute here. Okay. Oh no, uh, DeVry. Okay. So it was a two year thing. So in '88, when he graduated, he brought me down here to DJ a party here. Now, mind you, his story he'll tell you is that he's been telling me about Atlanta the whole time. But <laughs> I was in I was in Durham, and I was in '86. I went after after I graduated. I went to North Carolina Central, so I was doing parties at the, at the gymnasium, and yeah. you know what I'm saying. And I was spending in Raleigh, and I, so I was busy, and I was fine. I was popular in Durham. I was cool, so I didn't think shit about it. And he kept telling me about Atlanta, but. Um, Do you know what that is? Is that me? That's you. That's me. That's my alarm. Sorry. I had an alarm, so I wouldn't miss you, brother. <laughs> I, you would have been 10 minutes late, bro. You'd have been 10 minutes late. Well, that's the snooze button. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> right. But anyway, to so, so Tubbs. So anyway, I came to Atlanta, and I was blown away. I wasn't blown away because it had a hip-hop industry here because it did not have one here. I was blown away because it, it was a huge city. Yeah, lots of black black people were doing well here. You could just see it. You could just see, yeah, that that there was an opportunity here to grow and do something, and it was it was just dope to me. So I came back, packed my records, my mattress, <laughs> me and my best friend, and we moved to Durham a month later. Atlanta, and you I moved been, to Atlanta in 1988. Yep, I moved to Atlanta. I've been here ever since. This year makes 30 years. Bro, you took your mattress, bro. I took my mattress and my records. That was it. <laughs> That's that you know it's crazy, bro. Because everybody that I've been interviewing, and I would ask them like, tell me those crazy moments. You know, it's stuff like that. Like I had one sister who um, who moved to um, St. Louis on a whim and stayed in a homeless shelter. Ended up working for Nelly. You know what I'm saying? And so just to see that that grind is real. And I want I'm glad that you brought that up, bro, because I got a lot of young people who listen to the show. And unfortunately, you know, we're talking about the internet. I think the internet paints this picture, you know, like, yo, man, if you do, if you hang out with this guy, you'll get put on or whatever. Sure. And a lot of people don't hear these kinds of stories from you guys who have kind of, you know, created this lane and created these paths. And to hear that grit and that grind, bro, like a lot of people don't talk about that stuff. Um, right. And so I definitely appreciate um, appreciate that, bro. I also want to know how you got linked up with So So Deaf. And Jermaine Dupree. But before we get into that, let me take a quick moment to thank my sponsor for making this show possible. This show is brought to you guys by God Almighty Creator, a.k.a. GAC, North Carolina-based streetwear brand. GAC recently released their 1993 Final Fall Spring Summer Casual Collection. And this collection is a creative parody of the 1993 NCAA Final Four. And GAC pays homage to the four universities who would advance to the semifinal games. You can shop the 1993 Final Four collection at www.godalmightycreator.com. Check out this collection and all of their streetwear brand, T-shirts, hats, jackets, hoodies, you name it, they've got it. And when you get to the checkout line, after you get done shopping, put in code word DJPDOG, that's DJPDOGG, all one word, and save an additional 15% off. You can't beat that, folks. But wait, there's more because if you shop 
with them on Friday. Not only do you get the 15% by using code word DJP Dog, but you get free shipping as well. So check out all the things that GAC has to offer, including the 1993 Final Four Collection, and that's www.GodAlmightyCreator.com. Have you ever experienced DJP Dog live? Well, now you can book him for your next event. Yo, DJ, are you your DJ has only just begun. DJ P-Dog is now taking bookings for concerts, dance parties, college events, and more. Check this out. Give your event goer an experience of a lifetime by booking DJ P-Dog today. Are y'all ready to party? Make some noise! For more information, go to djpdog.com forward slash booking or email him at booking at djpdog.com. The best place for hip hop and rhythmic is right here with DJP Dog in the mix. But so you get to Atlanta, and somehow, some way, um, you start working with So So Def. So tell us about that, bro. How did you get connected with So So Def and the great Jermaine Dupree? Um, well, one thing you said before, I kind of want to speak on, um, which goes into my story about So So Def, is we talk about. I guess people trying to get to that person that's going to put them on. Yeah. Right. Or try to figure out how to get to that. And I always tell people that it's the people around you that are not necessarily famous or successful or in position to help you that will be in position. Yeah. So I'm saying that to say meeting the great Jermaine Dupree, he wasn't the great Jermaine Dupree. Hmm. He was, he was just Jermaine Dupree. He was probably when I met Jermaine, Jermaine was probably 16, 17. Oh, wow. I'm about I'm about three years older than Jermaine, so I was spinning in the clubs already. I, would, I was in the National Guard. I was in college. You know, I was I had my hustle on. Um, and really, the crew, the crew that I really hung out with and did things with musically was a group called Secret Society, which was Speech, Headliner, and a guy named Click they would eventually become Arrested Development. Okay. Jermaine, I met Jermaine because Jermaine came to a club I was spending that called Club Excess, and this was maybe 1990, and he had his group Silk Times Leather with him, but he came to thank me, basically, for playing another one of his songs that he had produced for a group, a guy named JVN and the Straight Jackets. Okay. And, because I was, I was mixing on uh, V103, the the big station here in Atlanta, um, the Heritage station in Atlanta, and I was doing a mix show on the weekend for free, um, but it was giving me exposure. So I was playing JBS record, and the song was called "The Other Guy." Sounded like a LL Cool J wannabe record, but that was something Jermaine had produced. So that's how Jermaine and I met. He hadn't quite done Crisscross yet, so the real so the actual connection was Arrested Development got a deal, released the single Tennessee. Speech let me remix it to get paid for the remix. Right. I had to meet Michael Malden. Michael Malden is Jermaine Dupree's father, and Michael was managing Arrested Development and Crisscross. Okay. So the the relationship was kind of there, and Michael mentioned to me they were looking for a DJ for the group Crisscross, which I didn't know Crisscross. They were thirteen years old. I I was twenty. I mean, I wasn't hanging out with you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Right. Twenty year old, thirteen year old. <laughs> so. I gave him my demo and Jermaine co-signed it because, you know, obviously we had met and Jermaine had respect for what I was doing. And that's how we got started. Then after Criss Cross, Jermaine got so deaf. 
Got yeah. you. So you so there's yeah. this progression of event after event happening. Um and, and you put in the work. I mean, you had to go in the studio and create that remix um and create and build those relationships. So I, I think that that's so important to to hear as well. But let me ask you this question, bro, because I, I want again, I'm asking you these questions so that the audience that I have can kind of hear from your perspective. Um from a DJ's point of view, what exactly would a DJ be doing with a record label? Like, why would a DJ want to get on with a record label in, in these days and times? Uh, well, it's different things. Because um, if you're talking about working directly with a label as a DJ, let me, well, let me just back up a little bit. If, if I use, just to use Crisscross as an example, and the Brat, and Bow Wow, and even Jermaine himself, and, um, you know, all the social death acts escape as well that I DJ for. You're really working for the group's touring company. Got you. So because um, they are the ones that's paying you because they're paying you from their tour budget. Right. When you when you work directly with a label, you're more of an independent contractor. So if Jermaine, when I worked on the bomb album with Jermaine, which meant that I was. I I was there kind of um, in an assistant capacity and I performed all the scratches on the bomb album. And of course I had my own song, which ended up turning into a publishing situation, which is separate, but I was hired as an independent contractor for social death productions. So that wasn't, that still wasn't social death, the label. So social death productions produced the bomb album for rough house records, Columbia, which crisscross was signed to rough house, not so, so deaf. Okay. All right. So working for so, so deaf could just be a, a party I'm doing for the label and so, so deaf records or recordings cuts me for that. So I've never worked for so, so deaf recordings, um, directly like little John did before little John became little John. Little John actually worked for the label and his job was, all, you know, A&R. Okay, so got you. He would help. He would help put together projects, artists, and music together. So, um, that's that's kind of a idea of how it can work because there's different ways to get money. Yeah, absolutely. Inside inside the same situation. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think a lot of people need to understand like you've got to have those multiple streams of income, those multiple sources, because everything may not be working together. But you know, at the end of the day, if you got money coming in, you got money coming in. Um, but you mentioned something about the working for the touring company. And this is, you know, a huge question that I have for you. Um, you know, you, you tour with Chris Cross and you guys got the tour with Michael Jackson, bro. What was that experience like touring with Michael Jackson? I mean, one, it's already enough to tour with Michael. I mean, he's the greatest entertainer of all time, in my opinion. But right. to, to perform in some of those huge stadiums and arenas, bro, what was that like for you? Coming out of the Bull City, okay, going to Atlanta with a mattress in your crates, okay. Right. What was that like for you getting to that point? Uh, it moved fast, but first of all, um, <laughs> it was more one of those things where you know it's after the fact. You sat back and said, "Damn, look what just happened. Look what I was able to do." Yeah. Um, but the story I kind of like to tell when it comes to that tour was that uh, just to give you give you some background on it on it. Um, I want to really start with Chris Cross's first. Their first single was supposed to be a song called "Little Boys in the Hood." Okay, which if, if you're a Crisscross fan, you know that that's just a song off the album. 
So because Jump was not created at the time, they felt like the album was ready. So Crisscross was actually slated to be the opening act for a band called Joe Public, which was also it was kind of, they, Joe Public was kind of like a New Jack Swing ish type okay. band. You got to live and learn um, was the song they had. So that was the plan: release Little Boys in the Hood and go on tour with Joe Public and open up for them because Joe Public was on the same label as Crisscross. Got you. Well. You know, according to Mike, the story that Mike Malden tells me, he kind of came with a with a last minute thought after I think watching um watching a Naughty by Nature performance and everybody was jumping in the crowd, and he called Jermaine and said, "Jermaine, you should write a song called Jump." Jermaine wrote that song. They ended up making that the single, and the shit blew up so fast that Michael Jackson ended up calling and wow. saying, I, "I would like Criss Cross to be the opening act." For the Dangerous Tour, and again, this is 1992, and this is the right at this point is when I met Mike Malden, and he said we needed a DJ because they didn't, they hadn't made plans really to have a DJ until that tour came. Yeah, and they they knew they had to have a DJ because one it needs to be it needed to be 45 minutes, which you know I filled that gap. So obviously, I performed with Chris and Chris. And I did the crowd motivation stuff, but I also had a 15-minute set to do my own thing. Nice. Right. So Very nice. that was a that was a real groundbreaking moment for me, not just because of the, the huge tour experience, which it was, but it also broke me out of my shell a little bit because I really didn't talk on the mic a lot. But on the stage with Chris and Chris, I didn't really have any choice. I had to, you know, I had to get my feet wet. And that's that's what that tour did for me. Yeah, so let me ask you this, because I, I, I talk to a lot of DJs, bro, and they always tell me this this thing. They say, I, I don't like getting on the mic. And, and you said that you were like that, and the reality is I was like that as well. But what I found out was, yo, man, the mic is the money. What What is that like? What What do you say to that, bro? Um, I mean, I wouldn't exactly say that. I, well, it just depends on what you're doing. See, one of my friends in radio... Because radio is a different animal, right? Yeah, yeah. He definitely says the power is in the mic. And have a DJ on the radio, absolutely. So, you know, I, I see some DJs that may, you know, do mix shows for years and years and years, but they never cross that 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 level or go to that next level of being an on-air personality. And that's the best way to make the most of a radio career is by becoming a personality, which is something I did. But I wouldn't say in the music business that the power is in the mic because it's not about DJ Premier on the mic. And look what Premier has done. True. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just, you know, it's what you do. Um, uh, Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. It's still, yeah. it's still, it's still not the most vocal on the mic. He can tell. He don't even like to talk on the mic. That's why he used even in his resurgence, because best believe that was definitely a period of time Jabby Jeff wasn't even out here DJing no more. Right. But when he came back to DJing, still the same thing. He he had MC um, Mad Skills become his hype man because he just doesn't like to talk on the mic. So I don't think I don't think it's a requirement. And you can get money all sort of ways. And as a DJ, you ain't got to say a word if you produce number one hit records. Yeah, this you know is true. <laughs> so we see these EDM guys out there killing it, not using the mic. They out there doing it. So I, I, I get that, um, that perspective as well. Let me ask you this, bro, because I, I remember Criss Cross performed 
um, they did an episode on a different world. Right. And I remember when a different world came out on Netflix, said, bro, let me go check out that episode. Cause I know, I remember they had a DJ and I wonder if Nabs is up there. Right. And, and Nabs wasn't up there, bro. What happened, man? I don't really remember exactly. <laughs> um, you know, there were probably, uh, it's a handful, maybe three to four situations was where I was not there and a different world. I cannot remember. I'd almost have to see the timeline in terms of like when that aired, when that aired, what song did they perform? But that would help me. Um, I think it was called change. Oh, shame. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Was Well, it's a shame. I was definitely, I was definitely around. So I don't know. Was Jermaine up there or they yeah. didn't have a DJ at all? They did. Jermaine? He, yeah. So he was up there. They didn't call his name. They said crisscross and well, they didn't even say crisscross. They said the name of the characters of the show and JD. And <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's why then. Well, then like now I can answer that. Um, first of all, that probably even wasn't even presented to me by management because the crisscross experience was used also to profile Jermaine as the guy who created them. Ah. So, so those were things that, you know, that was just one of the situations that wasn't even brought to me. Um, matter of fact, it was so much not brought to me that I, I didn't even have a chance to get upset about it. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I don't even remember. I mean, because I'm, I, we were definitely busy. That is from, um, well, it's a shame it's totally crossed out, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, apart from you getting to tour with these guys, you also did mixtapes and stuff, and you actually broke a lot of artists. And one particular artist that you broke was Chris, I mean, not Chris Cross, um, Ludacris. Um, right. Did you ever get a chance, did you tour with Ludacris as a DJ? No, no. And sometimes that gets mixed up in the bios and the stuff that's put out there. The story with Chris Lover Lover is, is that in 96... When the crisscross um, stuff had really slowed down, I ended up going back to V103. And then not long after that, I got offered a full-time radio position, radio personality, power the microphone that we just talked about. A full-time radio position on Hot 97.5, which is Atlanta's first rap station, 24-hour commercial rap station. And Chris Lover Lover became like a co-host slash intern on my show, along with Poon Daddy. So... So basically, uh, you know, Chris was on my working on my show. He did the rap promos on my show, and then um, maybe a year or so later, I got my own record deal, and I put Chris on a song with Jagged Edge. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, and then from there, then you know, Timberland gave gave Chris an opportunity to perform on his project for a song called Fat Rabbit, and Chris just kind of took off from there. So when did he go from Chris Lover Lover to Ludacris? Like, what was that transition? That that was happening at the same time. Okay, See, gotcha. he was Chris Lover. He was Chris Lover Lover as a personality, but when he rapped, he was Ludacris. Got you. The reason I asked you if you toured with Ludacris or not because here's the thing, and you'll appreciate this story. I got my DJ career started in 2002, fall of 2002, and spring of 2003. Um, again, like what you said, things happen so fast. You sit back and you're like, wow, how did I get here? I find myself at, at the at the time it was called the MCI Center. I think it's called the Verizon Center now in D.C. for an event called the Jordan Capital Classic. 
and that's where all the you know all American high school basketball players come and play like the All Star game, if you would. Okay. And um, and it's a Michael Jordan Invitational, and I'm there DJing for a group that were you know we did the halftime show, and this was a huge game because this was um, LeBron James's like he was the the headliner, if you would, of this event. And they had um, us, we were doing the halftime show. I was DJing for a group that would do trick dunks off trampolines. And then the musical acts was Ludacris and Bow Wow. And as I thought about it, I said, man, I wonder if that was like a so-so deaf exclusive situation. But I thought, I'm asking you that because I was like, man, it would have been cool if we would, if I was to tell that story, you'd be like, yeah, I was there too. But that's not the case, so I'm going to keep it moving. Anyways. Listen, man, because uh, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but you got a few things that are going on right now, and I want to—I want people to know about what you got going on currently, because there's two things you got out right now. You've got a book that's out, and I want you to talk about that, and then you've got a documentary also, American DJ Story, that's out. Um, tell us about those two things. Tell us about the book first. Well, they're really kind of the same thing because the documentary okay. is not technic- is not technically out yet. Okay. Um. Uh, probably uh, probably about 10 years ago, or nine years ago, to be exact, um, I got on a mission to actually do a documentary and that title, that loose title was American DJ Story. And at the time, I was trying to tell a whole bunch of stories at one time. So throughout the process of that, you know, and just trying to learn how do you get on HBO and then eventually how do you get your project on Netflix? You know, it was a very frustrating thing. So in part in 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 that frustration, I ended up releasing an independent DVD called Diary of a Mad DJ on that. I had some of what I was going to put on my documentary, but I didn't want to put it all kind of out there. I just kind of was just kind of testing it all out. Right. Right. And just filling it out. But I'm still, you know, putting the message out about the power of the DJ and what the DJ experience was like, just kind of teasing it. Uh, that led to me doing Michael Jackson tributes around the world because I had a tribute on there to Michael Jackson and overseas promoters were really taken by that. And they had, they would they would fly me out to Taiwan to do a Michael Jackson tribute or Australia. Nice. And so, you know, so I took that time to do those things as well as document it. When I came back, I ended up starting to do licensing deals. So they did a story uh, behind the music on Ludacris and the Ludacris footage of him in that behind the music as Chris Lover Lover is actually from my radio show that I licensed for him because apparently he does not have footage of him self Chris Lover Lover. So I have that footage. So I licensed it for that. Um, then a couple of years, maybe a year later, ATL Rise, a documentary on the rise of hip hop in Atlanta. I did the same thing. I licensed that as well as was featured in that documentary. And I licensed some crisscross footage and some Freaknik footage for that. So to, I'm saying all to say it's all been a journey at this point. What I thought was one documentary project really is a content, a pool of content yeah. that now I'm able to license and participate in other documentaries. So to come to this particular book that I released, I decided to start breaking up my project since it's so much. And Club Kaya is a club I promoted between 1996 and 99. And I documented that whole experience, video pictures and live recordings, live audio recordings. So I decided to do a book. And the book is Old School Sundays, The Club Kaya Experience. And like I said, it's between that period of 1996 and 99. And it's been my experience in 
my my first job in hip hop radio. Yeah. Chris Lover, Chris Lover, Lover. You know, just kind of the rise and fall, all the acts that I had at that time. People like Jay Z, who was not big at that time. I mean, Jay Z was on his third album. So, you know, I documented that, and that book is available on themaddj.com. The documentary piece that goes with that is something that I'm currently pitching to Netflix because um, I think it's that important. Yeah. For the, for that footage to be shared, so it's a journey. And after this, I you know I plan on continuing to release at some point my full length kind of documentary idea that started all of this. But um, again, like I said, I'm just kind of breaking it up into smaller pieces yeah. right now. So it sounds like, man, if something like this makes it to Netflix, sound like it'll be um, like more than just like one documentary. It might be like a couple of episodes, sounds like. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Very nice. Very nice. Listen, man, let me ask you this question and, and we'll we'll wrap things up here. Um, what advice would you have for any DJ that's listening out there that says, hey, man, I want to be a full time DJ in the game? What would what advice would you give to them? Um. I think it's just about, you know, finding your own strength. You know, at the end of the day, whether it's radio, whether it's production in the studio, whether it's being a dope live performer, whether you're an, you know, you're a guy with the eye for talent and you can put your brand and introduce or use your platform to introduce a new artist. It's really about honing in on what it is that you're really good at. Cause we're not all good at everything. You know what I mean? I produced a little bit. I've done radio for years. Obviously, I've done clubs. I've done big stages. You know what I mean? I'm more sitting here in the, in the author, historian, documentarian lane than I'm going into uh, at this point. So, I, but, but it doesn't mean I'm the best at everything. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, so I think it, that's important to find out what it is your true passion and strengths are and then put everything into it. You know, I, I think that's, that's, that's a key. You know what I mean? There you go. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is DJ Nabs. And listen, man, this is a part of our March Music Madness series um, here in the month of March. And, of course, we can't have a DJ on without a mix. So you got a mix for us um, that you're going to be uh, that we're going to be playing here in a minute, man. What can we um, what are we going to hear from this mix? I'm pretty sure you haven't picked out exactly which one you're going to send us yet. But, well, um, sure, but you all my, all my you know, I'm a musician at the end of the day at the end of the day. And I've been playing sax from sixth grade uh, up through college, through the military. Very nice. Yeah, so what I put my mixes together, man, is I just make it, man, like the best tasting buffet you ever had. Bring you know it. what I mean? And and that's just, that. no matter what it is, you know, I just try to make it all make sense. That's what's up. So we're going, we're going to drop this mix from my man DJ Nabs. He's in the DJ P-Dog Lab. How about that? <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, man, before we let you go, bro, give out your information, your social plugs. How can people keep up with you and all that good stuff? Sure thing. Um, my social media, I'm, I'm heavy on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook that much anymore. But my Instagram is DJ Nabs, J-N-A-B-S-I-N-L-A-B, DJ Nabs in lab. And um, my uh, my merch site, where my book is, and my messaging um, is themaddj.com. And, of course, I got my own personal site, DJNabs.com. So that's where I am. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. With DJ Nabs, thank you so much, bro, for taking time out of your schedule to hang out with us here on the show, DJ P-Dog in the mix. And we're going to drop this brother. mix from you, bro. And uh, we look to hear some great things coming from DJ Nabs in the lab. 
thank you, my brother, for having me, man. Yes, sir. Y'all keep it locked right here on DJ P Dog in the mix. With DJ Nabs. Ladies and gentlemen, the Jackson Five. Jane Abs. Then the lab. H to the is O, P to the is A. 
with DJ and Abs. It's to the Izzo, B to the Izzo. That's the anthem, get your hands, hands up.
day for a rendezvous with the zoo, the goodie, and the dungeon crew. Let's say her name is Susie Screw, cause she's screwed a lot. Making a nigga hit that chunk at legitimate spots. Not no parks, back seats, and things of that nature. Yeah, the the player. Speaking up down, never said I paid her. Straight Played it like Darth Vader, made her from Collie Park and fed all the way down to Decatur. Like Jada, her whip was sharp and sporty, that was shawty. Saved the snake on eggs and a beam of 800 baldy. It's foggy, I went to the crib to call her, but she lost me. My baby mama beat me, something the clock is gonna cost me. But I still wanna cut her though, maybe she had to work. I called her in the mall, wearing a real tight skirt. She was fine as I wanted the sex stuff up. She said, let's hit the parking lot so I can sick your duck. I said, cool, I really wanted to cut you, but this a do. I gotta pick up my daughter, plus my baby mama beat me too. She said she understood and everything was cold. I gave her a little wheel CD and a imposter. It's like that. Jane Abbs. Here's to you. You have gone through struggle, suffering. This one goes out to everybody in the world, but especially on the street level. Because I know where you're coming from and some of the things you do I can understand. So through all your travels, I'm wishing you a peaceful journey. What is a friend for? For rich and through poor. Kind of like a marriage balanced on a different floor. A friend can tell you things that he wouldn't tell another. So in essence, a friend can be considered a brother. You laugh when you play a lot. You talk and you say a lot. But when it's time to feel the pain, you cry and you pray a lot. I'm talking about you. You who have the time. The time to be my friend when no one else would be mine. Problem for nothing because I had my man to share them with. Hills with nothing either because I had my man to climb them with. I'm really proud to say that I truly, really knew you good. And oh, God's blessing from the entire neighborhood. And as a day's trip. Into the future, I laugh a little louder at the times that I was with you. This one's for you, and I truly hope you hear me. And through all your travels, I'm wishing you a peaceful journey. Then the lab, then the lab. <laughs> the mic, Jordan, the rap, Mike Jackson, the pop. The mic, tight to the street, ears with no socks. The Hugh half of the game, yeah, and it won't stop. Till I meet the Lord Crow for the hood, it's all good. The Spielberg, when I spill words to track. I'm a sick dude, you can't feel worse than that. For you slow minded dudes, I reverse it back. I got a sick flow, see? Ain't no nurse in that, but mommy, if you rock my world, I get you the baby bucket. You can be my baby rock girl. White Nike ears, we call them white ears. Size four or five, how cute is your size? That new cute bubble, give you horses to drive. I paint that picture, cause ain't no <laughs> like the one you get from Mike Holler. I don't think they're ready for this one. My life, one day I'll be the same. Cause girl, you came and changed the way I walk, the way I talk. I cannot explain the things I feel for you. But girl, you know it's true. Stay with me, I feel my dreams, and I'll be all you need. Then the lab.
to the Izzo Make you leave your jerky boy like Frank Rizzo My neck and back, Jigga voice is music Forget the track, clap, 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 clap In the lab. I was born in the boogie down cat scan with my builder fell down on the rat scan. People sold a super one a trip to the P now. While I settle off the shores of the long now. My father's clean, I mean my mind is clear when I transmit. I am the man of the family because the pants fit. I want to let forensics prove that I commence groove with the threat from me to water hate. Wanna say salutation to the nation of the Nubians. We about to place it in that three feet of stew again. I got the frequency to shatter Mr. Jones' perm. I got a hail of other honeys, cause it's short-term valley and a storm for the shoddy in the jacket. For the brother, he's a when he packs it. So get your butt out the sling. I start my homie floating up. That means I'm deaf. So like the autographs are signed until the break.
why should I? When I seen a lady tonight with my good eye, that I would try and make my baby, baby. I was up in the club putting my hood high when I saw you and I stood by. Just looking at your onion, girl, I could cry and I could lie. I mean, I could try and say you ain't sweep me off my feet, but only one thing can keep me off the street, and that's if you be my B A B Y. I can be why you always be fly, and I'm from B style. Just like B I G was, that's how F A B does. We can sip something till we both B does, and the V does, and that's only because. Jokes, a few woo ha ha's. This how I'ma do you, mama. First I'ma put you on your back and make you scream out, baby. Just like I put you on a the track, then I'ma lay you on your side and slowly stroke you while you telling me the way you feel inside. But my sex drive won't make me play you on the side. You know you get the keys any day you wanna ride. And my baby know how to start me up. You got the kind of kiss that'll speed a heartbeat up, and you got the kind of touch that'll give me the chills. I ask you 'cause I know you gon' give me a real and won't be fake. And don't we make a good couple? And won't we make a good
then prevail The mic is contacted, I attract clientele My mic check is life or death, breathing a sniper's breath I exhale the yellow smoke of Buddha through righteous steps Deep like the shining, sparkle like a diamond Sneaker Uzi on the island and my army jacket lining Hit the earth like a comet, invasion Nazis like the Afrocentric Asian, half man, half amazing Cause in my physical, I can't express through song Delete stress like Motrin, then extend strong I drink my wet with Medusa, give us shotguns in hell From the spliff that I lift and inhale It ain't hard to tell Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. 
Then the lab. Then the lab. Then the lab, then the lab. Follow DJ P Dog Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram right now at DJ P Dog.